Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only three decades old, but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat Purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success, to help you decode the complexity, to help you leverage partners effectively, to help you partner with business more effectively, to help you manage change better, to help you attract talent. You get this clarity via experiences of CIOs and business leaders, shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea. Hey everyone, welcome to this 40th edition of Clarity Chat. I have with me Rajiv Jorapur, CIO of Bajaj Auto. In today's session, we will talk about being a coach to partners for our own success, handholding partners to align the product roadmap with your organization, with patience and empathy to create joint success. He will also share how his researcher architect mindset has helped him undertake new things without prior experience and about his conviction that has earned him exceptions even in large MNCs. His biggest leadership philosophy is learn it first, build for the long term with the right architecture, regardless of the challenges you may face. Make it rules and processes centric, not personality driven. This is the 40th episode of Clarity Chat Podcast and here comes an exciting discussion with Rajiv Jorapur. Welcome Rajiv. Not very difficult for people to guess that you're a marathoner, given your figure, <laughs> uh, which beats a Hollywood star, actually. So, Rajiv, how did you start uh, running marathon? So, the credit or the um, blame will be on my elder son, Viraj. One day after a very heavy lunch, he looked at my slightly protruding belly and he said, Dad, you're losing fitness. I said, come on, I trek, I go to Himalayas, I play tennis, uh, what do you mean? What is your idea of fitness? Uh, so he said, can you run a marathon? Uh, I said, well, I can't do it today, but uh, it should be no problem. I can learn how to run a marathon. So that's how I started uh, <laughs> learning to run and that's how it started. Oh, wow. That's that, that that's awesome. And I think, you know, it's not no different than like, you know, running operations without an experience, <laughs> without an experience. So you give Rajiv something and he'll figure out a way to do it well. So he pricked my ego, right? Now that is something which I know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And that too, dad's ego, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is really interesting, uh, Rajiv. And I'm sure like we can uh, reach out to you uh, to pick up a few things about how to run a marathon. Okay, so yeah, Rajiv's uh, philosophy, as you can also guess, uh, you know, from his learning to run marathon is learn it first, build it for the long term with the right architecture, uh, make it rules and processes centric, not personality driven. And as we go through his journey, uh, you will see that this is reflected as like, you know, some sort of an underpinning uh, in his journey. So uh, I can I can already see, uh, you know, quite a few comments uh, flowing in there. You know, when we look at our audience profiles, we have observed CXOs, founders, IT managers, and technology industry uh, folks in our audience. Uh, and everybody comes here with a common agenda, which is how to truly succeed with the technology-enabled transformations. 
uh, to break the 17% jinx, that is like, you know, 83% of the programs failing to deliver business value. Um, so Rajiv, uh, let's do a quick two-minute recap of your childhood right up to your first job. Okay, very happy memories of my childhood in Aurangabad. Studied in a convent school, uh, learned the value of discipline. I loved uh, reading and uh, St. Francis exposed me to the works of uh, Woodhouse, Lord Emsworth and Jeeves were my favorite characters. Uh, I learned to see humor in situations, subtle humor, not the gross ones. I love that. Developed love for literature, G, uh, George Bernard Shaw and the use of language to get your message across is something which I learned there. Then um, I also learned uh, in 11th and 12th the how to use freedom. Suddenly from a, from a convent school, suddenly opened up, nobody to police you, started bunking classes. Uh, and the value of perception that how can Rajiv be a truant uh, boy? I mean, he is a sincere guy, right? So I uh, had fun there uh, while I prepared for JE. In, uh, in IIT, I, I loved my hostel, uh, H4. We called it, uh, there's a book published, Madhouse, uh, all lovely experiences there. And as the name suggests, it was a madhouse and we did all sort of stuff. Lot of pranks, lot of uh, studies. But what I learned in IIT was uh, to repurpose uh, uh, the meaning of competition. So up to 12th, uh, competition was always, you know, to beat somebody. So it was perceived as at least I used to perceive it as a threat. Uh, so if he's better, if he's a strong guy, then I have to work that much harder. I have to beat it. But what IIT taught me was to repurpose it and look at the purpose of competition as essentially to bring the best out of yourself. Absolutely. So that's, so that's a great uh, experience I had in IIT and I just love it. Uh, so yeah, that's that's in brief. Awesome, awesome. And uh, yeah, I loved it when you uh, said that you utilized that time, you know, that you used to bunk classes in preparing for IIT and you cracked IIT yeah. Mumbai. And I think, um, uh, you know, sound like resonates with Hostel 4 of uh, Chichore actually. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was shot in Master. Okay, okay, awesome. Nitesh Tiwari is an ex-alumni and ex-H4. Okay, okay. So, so that means that, that, that H4 is really that uh, famous, right? Inside IIT as well. And it, they showed the rivalry with Hostel 3. So my brother was in Hostel 3. And that rivalry, luckily we limited it to when we were on the campus and not at home. But it was a very intense rivalry. <laughs> I hope there was no Chandakapu rivalry between you and <laughs> Luckily for me, the time he's in US, so right now he's sleeping. So I can take advantage and speak my mind. <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks, Rajiv. I mean, uh, you are you are much more colorful than you look. Uh, how serious you look otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Rajiv, now I think I think I think that was really uh, funny. Uh, please give us a you know a, a quick uh, overview of your career, the company's roles, and one highlight from each one of them, just to give you give people some sort of a map of your career. So I. Fresh out of IIT, full of energy, full of youthful idealism, enthusiasm. I said, I don't want a factory job. Let me do something uh, which is impactful. So I joined Nimkar Agricultural Research Institute, Fulton, as a research engineer, fresh state out of college. And uh, Dr. Rajwanshi, he has been my mentor. He is still in touch. He won the Padmashri Award this year for his selfless uh, work. And the whole objective was to do something using technology and improve the quality of life of rural of people in rural India. 
and Nimka Research Institute at 12 years, uh, we were focusing on developing technologies using locally available uh, raw materials like agri agriculture residues, uh, sweet sorghum, and generate either, either uh, fuel for use in cooking and lighting or for industrial furnaces and therefore make it sort of a self-sufficient uh, uh, taluka. That was the concept. And I enjoyed my work and luckily for me, uh, my wife uh, Vina also uh, agreed, I mean, wholeheartedly to live in a small town. Uh, not an easy decision for a young girl. Not earning enough salary, I'm sure she would have got a lot, lot more high-paying uh, boys <laughs> after her. But uh, luckily for me, she's... And we had a lovely time there. Uh, the biggest learning which I got from that is to develop a research mindset. I'll speak about it uh, later on. But that mindset I'm carrying to this day, and that's really uh, useful. So after that, uh, I moved on to Anil Chemicals. Essentially, it was what we would today call a startup. Uh, it had all the... Uh, so the idea there was to develop environmental-friendly uh, products for use in packaging uh, cosmetic products. So it was... It was uh, producing co-extruded aluminum tubes. The equipments were from Germany and my task, uh, my job was to set up the equipment, set up the operations uh, and then make it running. So that was uh, in chemicals. That is where uh, Sanjay Deshmukh, the then head IT, uh, of IT there, he taught me the basics of uh, IT and I'm grateful to him. He is the one who opened the door for the next phase of my career. After that, uh, uh, I joined Videocon with a very clear focus of implementing uh, SAP there. It was the Y2K period and uh, SAP consultants were charging through the roof. And here this uh, president said, why don't we, why can't we do it ourselves? Uh, and I said, of course we can do, but I don't know it. Uh, so I said, what would it take to learn? I said about six months or seven months and uh, it's, it's no great rocket science to learn uh, software. So that was my task in Videocon to, to learn SAP, set up a team, assemble the team and uh, implement it in uh, Videocon. Uh, after that, I moved on to, and that's how I started drifting from research into IT. Then I uh, and joined Mercedes-Benz India. Lovely time I had. Learned a lot of uh, corporate uh, stuff there. Uh, it was a multinational company. India was a small subsidiary. But uh, I took a love for German language. I learned German. And uh, I was always a, a, a people person, so I would always try to connect to people and language is a very good connector. So I said, let me learn German, uh, then I can speak to them in their language. Uh, and so in, in Mercedes-Benz, we had a lot of uh, exciting projects, implementing spare parts uh, in, on SAP for the first time in the Daimler uh, universe. Uh, we had Siebel uh, connecting directly to the consumers at a time when the dealer was supposed to be that was looked as a customer of the OEM uh, and uh, visual analytics. Uh, and a lovely time there, and Pradeep Arga was my mentor. He moved from being my boss to my mentor now to a very close friend. Uh, I had a lovely time there. And then um, after that, I moved on to Bajaj currently. Uh, and uh, it's been an exciting time. So Bajaj also... It's very fascinating to see the thinking evolving from a plant-centric to a brand-centric to a customer-centric. Uh, and then, uh, so while Mercedes taught me strategy, Bajaj is teaching me uh, reimagining the future and building oh. the, and making it a reality.
so it's been an exciting time awesome what what a what a map you know 12 years in retail i'm sure that time you you would have never thought i'll get into it no way uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you know i i i can connected when i was and i was a passionate service engineer of excavators i never thought i will get into it i was like i used to more think like yeah. i'll come as a Uh, you know, but then uh, moving on to Anil Chemicals, uh, you know, yeah. without uh, without an operations experience, being the operations in charge, we'll come to that. Actually, that is a very fascinating one. We'll come to that later. And then yeah. uh, moving to again, not knowing SAP, learning SAP, and then implementing it. Then again, going in, getting into MNC. MNC, you know, generally tends to be an ocean <laughs> compared to yeah. a pond or a lake. And you can easily get lost, but I think you cracked that as well in terms of how to manage the corporate and uh, yeah. and work with the headquarters, learn German, connect with uh, people, and all that. And then finally, Bajaj. Uh, so I think it's a fascinating map, you know, that is there. And I'm sure this is uh, you know getting people now really warmed up to know more about each of these. So let me get that. So Rajiv, you spent a long time in research with Inter Agriculture Research Institute. So tell us, uh, you know, some about uh, your learnings, uh, and maybe like you know, <laughs> failures give you good learnings. So tell us something about maybe a couple yeah. of instances uh, and what you learned from them. Sure. So I, I'll try to keep it sharp and focused for the session today. So my job, as we said, or my purpose to joining uh, Nimkar was to develop technologies for the rural people, improve their quality. I worked on three topics. Uh, one was to set up a Pilot plant to produce ethanol from sweet sorghum using solar energy. So the idea there was uh, ethanol can be used as a fuel for cooking and lighting. And the, during the production of ethanol, about 70-80 percent of the energy goes in distillation. And why don't we use solar energy and therefore make it a green uh, energy? So that was the idea. The second idea was why don't we use sugarcane leaves which are left on the fields after harvesting. Uh, instead of simply burning them, why don't we use them produce uh, gas out of that? And the gas can be used either as a substitute for diesel in uh, diesel pump sets and gen sets, or it can be used in furnaces as a fuel. Idea very good. We we demonstrated the technology, the the, the framework of success as far as defined by meeting project objectives that were met. The topic, of course, is again we come to what is definition of success. So for me, it was actually scale. And can we really scale it to uh, the large swathes of uh, rural India, and are we in a position to do that? So that in uh, the reasons were different in the two cases. In the first case for ethanol, why we couldn't do it was we had strong external forces which which we could not actually overcome. Ethanol was not allowed to be sold as an open fuel. We were pitching for it to be treated as a as an industrial solvent or a, or a commercial fuel, but it had to go through excise and Very regulated uh, ecosystem, so we couldn't crack that. And gasification, I would say, we really couldn't scale it in terms of the surrounding ecosystem, which was required to to make it a reality in the real world. The material handling systems, the other governance processes, the engineering to really manufacture these gasifiers at scale. Um, so the, these are uh, broadly the reasons why we couldn't scale. But if I look at my learnings, so there was this. One one view is we look at internal challenges. What is the project level challenge, and are we able to do it? But then this element of external challenges and what 
what strong headwinds they would bring in that would prevent scale is something maybe you could have anticipated, maybe, I don't know, but it's hindsight. The uh, second, I think, more important, which I've carried the learning to this day is the ability to forge win-win partnership with strategic partners. See, if we, are, if we were able to build a very strong ecosystem, there's not, no way one can do everything ourselves by oneself. However, much would like to own the idea, you know, have a strong sense of uh, my, my thing. Uh, but the realization that we need a strong partnership, it has to be a win-win strategic partnership. Maybe something which we tried, but we couldn't crack it. And maybe these are the, I would say, on hindsight reasons why we couldn't take it to the scale. And the third, what really um, taught me uh, as a personal uh, human being and as a leader are three things. And I will use your rule of three, right? not more than three. Right. So the first, uh, what it taught me is uh, keen observation. Now, when we are as a researcher and when we are observing something, there are, and I always believe God has given us two eyes for a reason. Right. One eye you see as an observer and one eye you see as a participant in the process. So now, what is the difference? An observer to me is neutral to outcomes. He's observing. And the participant is attached to a specific outcome. He's working to make sure that I, the outcome I desire is uh, will be reached and he's working towards that. And the ability to hold these two together uh, is a great competency which I would urge in everybody of us to inculcate. So while we, while we think of opposites as you know separate, I like to think of opposites as a continuum. Okay, whether it is success or failure, whether it is participant or observer, it's a continuum. And uh, to add an element of humor, uh, it's like the Schrodinger's cat in the box, right? Cat is both dead and alive at the same time. That's right. Varun, my elders, my younger son, who doesn't value my understanding of physics that high, will have a laugh at this analogy of quantum. Uh, but essentially, that is what I train myself to say that hey, can I hold both opposites? They are right in their own on their own perspectives, and holding them together will enrich. So that's what uh, Fulton taught me, and I'm carrying that those learnings to this day. No, that's that, that's that's awesome. I think you know, like. I think, I think we all start like that, you know, early in our career, you know, we, we are solving problems and we, we don't. And I think we also cannot have that kind of strategic view or like that outside in view. I think these experiences uh, teach you that and very important one on the partners that you can't do everything yourself. Yeah. You definitely need partners, right? So let, let me move on, uh, Rajiv. Then you then went to Anil Chemicals uh, in yes. Aurangabad. Again, you know, your favorite headed operations with zero experience. Yeah. <laughs> so share share a couple of experiences from there and uh, and and a very interesting one like you know how you got into technology what was the problem you tried to solve that you got into technology yeah sure so as i said um, i always imagined my life to be like a um, i think it was described very well by either jay krishnamurti or i think uh, one of pg wodhouse's book so he said be like a leaf you see fluttering with the wind and happy wherever the wind carries you. So that sort of at the back of my mind, I had that philosophy. So Anil Chemicals essentially came about from a need to, you know, uh, reinvent myself. Okay, and there was this plant, uh, I had my chemical engineering background, there was this plant to be set up, I had to set up operations. Uh, and therefore I took that as a challenge and uh, we did that. But imagine the scenario where it's a, it's a chemical process industry. So we're running 24 by seven by 365. And there are these lines, we are making coaxial tubes. Uh, these are the next gen tubes at that time, uh, used for toothpaste or shaving uh, creams, 
or these cosmetic products. So the first version would be aluminium tubes. Second version was polypropylene with, with an aluminium foil. And this was the latest version then, which was fully polymer, so it's fully recyclable. But we had to set this up and it needed an understanding of chemical engineering and chemistry. So I, I, I enjoyed that work, but I had no experience of operations, right? So, so the first learning for me uh, was the, the, the meaning of time uh, or the value of time. Many experiences, but one, uh, um, so, so because these tubes are very fragile, and it's running continuously. It's running at, it was used to run at 300 kg per hour processing. And now, let us say, and they're, because they are so so fragile and you had to be in a very dust-free atmosphere, it had to be absolutely clean. And defects like varying thickness of the tube, okay, or, uh, you know, some some uh, marks on the surface, would that would get accentuated when you print it. So these are defects. Now, imagine that there's a defect and somebody says, there's a defect. Now, what do you do? If you stop the line, the polymer in the dyes and all would get charred and the whole thing of opening it up and, and uh, cleaning it up two, three hours down the drain. If you allow it to run while you are trying to find out the source, you are losing 300 kg per hour rate of uh, raw material. So you had to take, you had to train yourself to really do the diagnosis and arrive at it. And what I saw was early on, while I thought I was taking very quick decisions, on hindsight, I would say I, would say I was taking very hasty decisions. And I make a difference between a hasty decision and a quick decision. A hasty decision is taken from a mindset of fear, from a mindset of inadequate uh, knowledge, and from a mindset of a blind shot in the dark. Let's hope it works. Whereas a quick decision is taken basis competency, basing calculated risks, basing basis a very decisive way of working. So it taught me two things. It taught me how to take quick decisions, and it taught me how to take decisive action. And this was completely antithesis to a research mindset whereas in research you are saying let me gather all the information i don't want to miss out anything i want to be sure this is the reason and in a production floor you don't have that luxury you have to act so, so yeah. was, as I said, and i used to treat them as two ends of the spectrum and you hold together so research, you, you develop the diagnosis ability and production you act this is it you know now this was also a part of where your transition towards technology yes. started. So tell us that yes. story about. Yes. Like, you know. so, so now this plant is in Aurangabad and the marketing uh, office in Bombay. All the clients who are big companies like Hindustan Liver, Pierce, Lakme and all of that. The deals happen in Bombay, plant in uh, Aurangabad and the, the, our marketing people would be forced to answer questions like when can you give me, can you load it tomorrow, can you give me tomorrow. And they had no visibility of what was happening on the plant. So then, uh, Sanjay Deshmukh, the IT head Sanjay Deshmukh, uh, so we consulted and then said, why don't we give visibility of the plant to the marketing folks in Bombay? And so they would be able to see the loading and all of that. And that is when I sort of understood the world, uh, started learning the world of IT. Before that, my knowledge of IT was program programming and basic, which was taught in IIT. And some um, programs I had done in research for uh, my academic, for the research purpose. But this is where he taught me these uh, modem dialing and ERP uh, and all that stuff. So that's how sort of it, it, I started drifting with the wind towards IT. <laughs> oh, that's that, that that that's awesome! Like, no, I think mean, good story around like you know the difference between hasty and quick decisions, and you know like the, the entire change from the research from where you were coming from a research point of view, and then like you know connecting Aurangabad and Mumbai using technology. <laughs> 
for the customer actually to give visibility yes. to the customer yes. yeah so then rajiv you shifted completely to uh, uh, to it with videocon yes. so yeah you you talk you told a little bit about how that happened so maybe like you know you can give some quick insights and then we can move to the next one yeah so that was the y2k uh, era and uh, everybody was, was wanting to have some systems to handle this and videocon had decided for sap they had two divisions the international division which was producing uh, um, air conditioners and other products so that siemens was implementing and we had the appliances division where the then uh, director uh, mr jackie he said why don't we we do it ourselves so so that is how we got into videocon and uh, with a single minded focus of sap i had no background uh, but again the research way of approaching a problem uh, study it and i told uh, and we said we'll need about 6 to 7 months to study the software and then uh, we will need an internal team and we will be able to do it within a year and a half or so so that's how we did it and been a great success we still remember those days and uh, we still remember our learning and uh, i will uh, if that person is on the call uh, he or she would be would love to really be embarrassed but we had a case where it was only one server and uh, at that time right and we had the development and qa i mean there's no development so it's on same server that production everything and this person was an abapper and uh, by accident uh, a table got dropped <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> operation stand still nothing <laughs> and the folks in the call will know what it means to drop a table in a live system <laughs> <laughs> in an integrated system like sap oh my god <laughs> we got all of the, all of us together we huddled it had happened that around i think 4 or 5 or 5 in the evening we got everything together uh, then we did a uh, from the backup we did a point in time recovery which was which we had never attempted before we referred the manuals on how to do it and we we got the point in time recovery from the backup and restored and then we operated it so awesome. yeah uh great experience <laughs> yeah no 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 you know we all have some of those experiences of a crisis Correct. and uh, you know i think i think if you have been in a real crisis then you know, uh, the the blame game doesn't really happen actually it's like you know boss everyone yeah. together in fact you need i who created the crisis the most <laughs> that to know what he has done <laughs> yes. but that that is when actually uh, it also taught me this importance of uh, you know focus and awareness yeah yeah right so while you need to be the team needs to be focused on the problem you also need to be aware of the other people and hold, keep them at bay so that the people who can who are required to focus on solving the problem are able to solve the problem uh, no no absolutely absolutely you know i mean in in our crm uh, same crm that you did in mercedes uh, sebel when we were doing a upgrade we had a similar crisis and like you know I, and and we had to really do a complete mind shift okay now i am talking to no, we have to remember like now i am okay. talking to quarter people so a completely right. different <laughs> now i am talking to the customers which is dealers okay right. so you have to use a different language different mindset you know a different set of reassurances and then when you are talking to the techies out there helping you you know the oracle guys and all the other people a completely yes. different uh, mindset but i think yeah you 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 put it rightly the awareness is uh, required yes. so rachi let's move on to your next stint in mercedes benz again a long one 
so uh, you joined mercedes benz and you know typically i mean i have had that, that experience myself of working in mncs like you know in the operations or regional arms and generally you know they only execute strategy and architecture uh, generally happens in the headquarters but it was really refreshing to know that you managed to do differently than all the other mncs so tell us some interesting uh, ones from there Yeah, so there are three instances. I'll just keep it short. Uh, the first one was um, we had a big problem on the spare parts. Uh, the system was a legacy system. It was a closed box. Nobody knew what was inside, and dealers couldn't order throughout the day. Customers were suffering for low service levels. And the Apple's head was very keen to get to a modern uh, solution. Uh, so we headed together. Pradeep Bharadwaj, my at that time he was not he was not still the CIO. He was heading applications. We got together and we said we can do it in SAP, no problem. But it has it was never done in the Daimler world, and uh, it was a very high risk because Mercedes is a very I mean you know the clientele right? They have very low tolerance for <laughs> missteps, and uh, it was from a business perspective a great risk. But uh, credit to Pradeep uh, who in the board he said we can do it, and the MD asked him directly. Are you sure you can do it? Your your head is on the block, and he said yes, we can do it. And that that confidence came from deep competency within ourselves that we knew SAP and we knew the processes, and, and therefore we didn't see any uh, great risk there. Uh, so that was one, and we and it opened the gates for establishing a strong credibility of the internal IT team within not only the Indian arm but within the global arm. And the global CIO suddenly became a very, uh, very strong friend of ours, a very strong supporter. And we pitched the story that we are small, so take advantage of that. We can do a lot of experimentation. We can try out new technologies. There is no business risk at a global level because we are very small. But the leverage that we can get when we test technologies would be immense. So he fully supported us. The next best step was uh, when we said uh, we we were looking for a DMS, and we said we need to go in for an integrated CRM DMS. Even though today we don't see the need to reach out to customers, it is inevitable that sooner or later we will do it. And we had a big, uh, I would say, uh, different contra contradictory view from HO. They had different systems, and we said no, Siebel is very customer centric, focus, and all of that. And we sold the value proposition to the Indian uh, management and to our IT counterparts in headquarters. And uh, we implemented Siebel. It was a great experience. Uh, all leadership, HO, RO, everybody. So. fantastic um, experience and riding on this then when we were in the green field and when we were lift, wanting to move a new uh, plant in chakan we said why don't we use this opportunity to build for the future 20 years later our foundation should still be relevant serving its purpose scalable so we 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 said we, we should have fully enabled wifi no locational barrier why should an equipment be married to a spot for more connectivity entire shop flow wifi we said we should have ip telephony globally nobody had done it within the daimler world in a production environment and we said it's technology we understand technology so we know wifi works in a metric environment we just have to engineer it properly we have to architect it properly and uh, we did that so very happy that uh, it's still still relevant today it is still riding on that backbone 20 years later so great experiences there yeah awesome hey i am your podcast host jagdish belwal i had a rich career as cio at tata motors and ge now as an advisor i help organizations transform with technology technology is necessary for digital transformation but not sufficient so i help organizations with the rest of it leadership strategy culture change management etc you can connect with me on linkedin and twitter for now keep listening
and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on linkedin so uh, rajiv i'm still curious i'm not going to leave you on that i'm still curious that you know you managed to uh, pull off uh, you know these things and i know how complex mncs can be and you know how much of status quo oriented they can, they can be so making these kind of changes is not easy so tell me a couple of things that worked for you when you were driving uh, you know these i may you i may call it as deviations from the norm so um, i think i'm uh, as a person i'm blessed with a very uh, easy temperament people people have no problem in, in discussing with me and i have no problem in uh, in in uh, communicating so my i mean my my strategy always has been it should be a win win for everybody uh, everybody every stakeholder in the chain has to be has to look at it as a win win if not if his work is going to increase because of a change then we get him to a mindset that he is doing a service to others and when you position it that way that you are doing, you are serving others and you are able to make him believe in that i think the fulfillment that one gets out of serving others is much higher than a selfish motive Absolutely. so the trick is to to develop that mindset in everybody if your work is increasing if you are doing 10 things which you were not doing before but it is helping 10 people down the line it is helping the organization it is helping somebody else and do it as a as a as a mark of service then resistance just melts so yeah. uh, we we find that and uh, in uh, let's say in the case of a global cio his his biggest fear was uh disaster so what happens if it doesn't work so when we address that to say by uh, i mean you are a technology guy you are a logic so why why would if we can prove it in a small scale we, we can demonstrate like a poc we can do that so why why would you so that's how we addressed his fear and to the local management we sold the value proposition look at the possibilities when it something is wifi you don't worry whether it can be done or not that is our way you focus on on extracting value absolutely absolutely so, so i think i yeah just to just to replay it back uh, you know of course you earlier also mentioned that you know german help knowing german help connect with people yes. and 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 get some of those decisions but here i think it's a very very important uh, you know lesson in change management that you know you uh, show the larger picture to people you know it's not just about increasing my work but what is the context in which it is increasing how is it helping the organization how is it helping your own function right and how others are going to appreciate that and then you know and then and then customizing that particular story for you know each stakeholder i think i think those are the fundamentals of change management and thanks for uh, sharing that rajiv and uh, so we have uh, one uh, rapid fire for you rajiv interested in knowing the approach and framework for of framework being practiced to prevent cyber attack so we are using uh, uh, eny's uh, framework for uh, cyber maturity model they call it cpm and uh, we are tar- we have reached a, a pretty good level from our own standards and we are aiming to be the um, global benchmark for automotive industry uh, within the next few years so okay. there are a lot of frameworks and uh, yeah I mean, it's it's a pretty relevant topic right now we agree with your views on language and people connect as one of the important ingredients to learn and succeed in a global environment yeah i think we must we have to take an effort to uh, yes. learn anything which is local uh, you know which can which can help uh, people connect with you definitely uh, and in germany when i was there and uh, i took every opportunity to speak in german my schools attended german school uh, german uh, language schools and uh, connecting to people in their language 
uh, enjoying their culture enjoying their food opens up doors and you open yourself up yeah absolutely so uh, then there is a question from amrinder he says uh, how have you tried to bring in culture change or change management for success of a high profile uh, critical initiative now or, or or you want to answer it as part of my next question about your uh, the crm dms you, you are you are the conductor so you have to okay <laughs> so amrinder uh, i just realized that we might be covering it and then i'll bring this question up again if if it doesn't get answered okay then we have another one from sandeep saying uh, feeling of service others than fulfilling our responsibility only yeah sandeep uh, thanks for that rakesh uh, dhar rakesh is from mahindra so he says how do you manage to upgrade your digital assets it systems current to changing business needs a, a, a very uh, i would say burning topic for everyone <laughs> prevent technical debt for him from happening when you say how do you manage uh, i think it's all about uh, the value proposition right and now um, for, so the strategy that i have used so far is to be ahead of the curve in terms of do things when they are important and don't wait till they become obsolete now that's a that's a management stuff you know how does it fit into practice so into practice uh, um, i always try to have an analogy of the context in which the business is situated so for example if it's a production environment and you are talking of something then you give the analogy of how one would invest in uh, land for the factory right you will invest in a uh, land for a factory not taking into account the needs for the next one or two or three years what you would take in account for the next 10 years but not view it as a cost while the utilization metric if i go by a utilization metric it will be only maybe 20% today but the cost of not doing it and the cost of acquiring further land when you expand in most cases just not it's just not computable right absolutely so you use the analogy which is which is which is situational to the industry you are in to the context you are in and try to find out what are the analogy where you have to invest in with a long term view but you have to do it today when it is important and not urgent the advantage you get is you can pace the rate of change right yeah absolutely absolutely uh, you can take small steps you can take uh, you can take uh, what somebody call as a trojan horse you can start planting trojan horse in different parts of the uh, ecosystem and allow them to to build from within and before you know it uh, you are already there Uh, actually yeah rajiv uh, that's a that's a good one you know and you know i this this is a sort of adage i want to use that you know if you don't do the important things on time you know they'll hit you they'll hit you with a urgency later on right yes. um, and the other thing is uh, rajiv which i have used to successfully in uh, keeping the keeping it up, updated upgraded is to actually you know convert it into some sort of a some sort of a, a data point uh, you know which i call as a risk register it's a very simple one right so have a technology risk register you know where you basically you know transparently jot down what are the implications you know whatever you said right what are the implications of not doing it today you know what can you be hit with right and uh, and then when you publish it you know it actually makes people uncomfortable enough to be uh, prioritizing you know something which doesn't uh, on face doesn't add that kind of business value but the moment you show start showing the risk and how they can be mitigated i think that business value part becomes a little more clearer i hope rakesh that answers your question uh, now coming uh, coming back to my questions now uh, rajiv it seems mm-hmm. i'm competent the audience for questions <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So Rajiv, when 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 you moved over from uh, you know from Mercedes Benz to Bajaj, and and tell us how that journey has been here. Fascinating. My yeah. um, at a, on a personal level, I am very very passionate about mathematics and uh, algorithms and all of that. So uh, I thought I still think that uh, you know uh, Bajaj with its volume, with its scale, with its spread, mm. great great. greenfield for using data and analytics to really give a differentiating advantage so that's how we have been working on and depending on you know, the maturity as i said we we sort of go on uh, progressing on that uh, path initially when we came uh, we were transitioning from a product centric to a brand centric so we said we have to reach out to the end customer not stop at the dealer uh, so we had the dealer management system we had reporting uh, getting into so we were always uh, data driven we were always uh, in uh, clinical in 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 problem solving uh, the difference was uh, that we now could do it at scale and we could now do it at speed because the information is all digitized and and available uh, to for analysis uh, so we are we are doing that and uh, and you would have seen we are we are, we are moving more and more to customer centric so from a brand centric to a customer centric and uh, it's been a very interesting journey okay okay interesting so um, um uh, rajiv do you want to talk about a bit on the customer transformation that you did with dms yeah so essentially uh, um, so i i took the tenets that we learned from from uh, the mindset of a of a of a player like mercedes benz where we are saying a customer is not one person is part of an ecosystem there are a lot of influencers there there is a lot of ecosystem and therefore the more we understand the dna of a customer we are better able to serve him so the the philosophy of serving a customer and not looking at it as a transactional engagement is i think at the core of uh, how we are evolving in our journey okay yeah awesome awesome uh, thanks rajiv um, so rajiv let me now uh, you know go on to something you know which is a lot more horizontal you know looking at your uh, all your different stints and sure. which is actually also like you know one of the themes of uh, clarity chat when i try to decode like you know why uh, why do we have that problem that we have in terms of the low success rate and uh, you know it's it's always that i mean one of the big factors is like you know is is about the asymmetry of talent on the partner side like you know majority of the talent is on the technical talent is on the partner side but you know the domain is on this side and then you know you have problems in ma- matching the two now very refreshing to hear when i was talking to you earlier is that you've been very active in mentoring your partners you know giving them aligning them to your business and you know, like uh, sort of helping yes. them their gaps and all that so what's the motivation uh, there and can you please share some case studies of how you mentored your partners and so and how you are more than them sure so the motivation is is pretty simple um, i set myself my life's purpose is to bring the best out of everyone wow that's of myself out of everybody whom i whom i have the opportunity to interact with so that's a simple motivation my experience in nimka taught me that the value of partners ecosystem and the necessity to have a win win for everybody so that was a learning now when i saw so i can take example let's say in mercedes of civil we were implementing civil and uh, there was a big gap on warranty now the automotive warranty processes are pretty elaborate in their structure while the business folks uh, 
look at it as a very simple i have my rules a big deal to automate it from from at that time the civil product uh, perspective uh, it was not supported and my argument to civil uh, folks in india was uh, we are look we are daimler we are global automotive company if we are saying this is our process that we have uh, i'm sure it will be a global process so why don't you productize it so we will give you the domain we will give you the sensitivity of the business abus you collaborate with other automotive see how you can configure it so that it becomes a re i mean it becomes a product so we got product engineering teams from uh, us uh, from civil uh, and uh, we and we had a very nice uh, collaborative work and uh, you know it then got productized into a model so that that's one part how how then how users can influence product people to better develop their product Second was in uh, the instances, let's say, click uh, in in terms of click and. Uh, mm, Rajiv, we uh, lost you again. Till the time uh, you know, Rajiv joins back. I hope you guys can hear me. Uh, looks like we lost him temporarily again. So let me uh, again continue the question and answer uh, for you, and let's see if I can answer something. Rakesh. Uh, So Rakesh, uh, thanks for qualifying your question. You said you know it's in more in the context of CX and CRM. Uh, yeah, I think in the case of CX and CRM, your the upkeep or the or keeping your systems updated, upgraded is uh, more uh, should be uh, more around like you know I think most of that CX and CRM is moving towards cloud, and I think once you latch on to that, uh, you should automatically be on a you know on a continuous uh, update path because. uh that's a, that's one advantage of going to uh to saas platforms that you know the the needs of the entire collective customer ecosystems can uh, get sort of captured and you know uh, assimilated into the platform and the only thing there you have to do is to like you know keep up with the product roadmap and make sure that like you know you're utilizing what you're getting let me let me move on to some other questions yeah sandeep uh, thanks yeah risk register has always been like you know See in IT, we do many things. Let me just uh, spend a little more time till uh, Rajiv joins back. See, we do a lot of things in IT which are you know where there's no uh, I would say immediately uh, visible business case. We do a lot of things to keep the operations running, to mitigate the risk, to prevent uh, any kind of operational risk uh, coming in, etc., etc. And therefore, like you know, a risk register as a mechanism to okay. So Rajiv is back. So Raji, I'll just finish answering this question. Sorry for that. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, it happens, and therefore we have the protocol. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, was, I was just taking a question, so and plan, I was just plan B in action. <laughs> plan B in action. Yeah, yeah. So, so Sandeep, uh, you know, just to kind of wrap up my answer, um, a risk register is a very good tool to get IT investments into IT, especially for doing things where. there is no direct customer or product or operations impact but it is necessary to be done to uh, to keep the entire thing running and uh, uh, you know so anything which is important to do i think sometimes the risk register helps so anyway so coming back uh, yeah rajiv so we lost you uh, when you were talking about click so um, in a manufacturing company uh, what i understood is people are very visually oriented Okay. Yeah. So, um, if they have to make sense of data, which was my mission, then visualization is is a more, much more effective tool than having tables and uh, spreadsheets. So that is how we we started on embarked on Click, and I said Click is a very good tool at that time, easily visualized and all of that. 
but when we looked at click as a product while it was very good on the visualization part of it it lacked certain abilities in terms of enterprise class security enterprise class architecture and therefore we engaged with uh, the then click md and their team to say why don't you build these competencies internally and we get, we mentored with them we said this is what enterprise class architecture looks like this is how sap models fits uh, user level access or role level access and these are roles and these are the building blocks of a of a access architecture and that is how we sort of partnered with click they started the consulting service with two or three people schooled in domain schooled in the art of uh, visualization and i always believe that you know the the visualization you always need to have a balance you achieve something at the cost of something so you need to have a view on both you can't just focus on on what you want to achieve and be not be aware of what at what cost it is coming and so these elements of balancing together in a in a nicely designed visual representation of information is what we partnered with click in bajaj we are uh, now we are doing a lot of work with startups and encouraging them we said we are we have a open playground that we have use cases uh, we have data and uh, you have the appetite and the energy to uh, to try out different things and maybe something works so so that's how we have been doing Okay. Now that's awesome, Rajiv. I know we are like just at the end of the hour, and you know, for someone like you who doesn't uh, come in the public domain often, you know, I'm sure people are very curious. We see uh, more than uh, almost about 45 participants. I mean, people uh, participating live here in the chat, and uh, therefore the number of questions. So we are likely to go a little over. But fortunately, I'm at the you know towards the end of uh, this, which is to the rapid fire questions sure so and what i will also do is like you know whatever questions are left over from the audience uh, from the audience i'll also uh, take it as a rapid fire so i'll give you an opportunity to answer it like you know in, in a real quick way so it's more like testing your extempore skills okay sure <laughs> yeah so uh, rajiv uh, you got fired from the job on the day of your birthday but you got reinstated in 3 days what yes. happened i was responsible for uh, production and the instruction to me was uh, there was this person from hindustan diver and my instruction was get the quality sample approved and then start production now that person came at 4 o'clock in the evening and he approved the sample only at 5:30 next day morning so two oh shifts gone zero production and i am in charge so i stopped production i said my instruction clear quality inspection first approval then start production 7 o'clock md calls me and saying how much production was in the night i said zero my achievement was yes and quality and he said you are out of the job and that so, happened to me my body you got fired for following instruction what i thought was uh, i had done a great job and he thought i was a disaster converting a production setup into a research lab <laughs> But you got reinstated in three days. I got reinstated. Uh, yes, um, I got reinstated. And your family didn't even come to know. I have not told them. I told my children very late to say that what looks like a calamity at that moment of time, in most on most often in life, turns out to be a blessing uh, later. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so Rajiv, uh, one instance where you had to. where you had to stand your ground and fight a battle of principles with someone in the business lots of them 
but um, so very easy to understand would be uh, you know the civil implementation we had uh, the problem of how do you allocate stocks to dealers now in the good old paper pencil email era the product manager had was the lord uh, and all dealers would say okay give me something and he would sort of be the man in charge to do the allocation and when we were doing civil we said why do i mean it has to be rule based Um, there is an element of transparency. Mercedes is known for transparency and trust. And here we are implementing a system, and we should have a rule-based allocation system. And it 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 didn't find resonance so easily. But we sold. We 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 argued on on value of that Mercedes stood for. And uh, finally, yeah, we, we got it through. But as That's I said, awesome. principles is always. Uh, yeah, no, no, and you know, I think I think you took the you took the. Corporate principle, which we generally yes. you know, park it somewhere on the bookshelf. You actually took it seriously, brought it to a discussion, and and got. I always yeah. do that. Whatever organization I go, I look at the corporate values and and live it. I try to live it to whatever. Absolutely. So I think another another big leadership nugget from here that uh, you know these are simple things, but if you just like you know pour on them for a. while and try to try to internalize them i think that's a that's a very big value addition that you can do and you know i think uh, i just add my bit to it uh, rajiv you know our teams are very keenly watching us they are watching our behaviors they are watching what values we live by and you know if you are able to do that what you just said i think uh, this really percolates down your entire department and your entire team however big it may be right so um, uh, rajiv another interesting one you know that i got from when i was talking to you is like you know when a big leader you know demands a certain outcome from you hey i want to use technology for this right you you your answer was very simple you want three things what are those three things that you want from leaders when they entrust you with a program first i try to understand why he wants it is very it important. is it an ego driven topic is it a value based decision is it a strategic decision that's the first second if then i need to be convinced of that value proposition myself If I cannot see the last picture, I am humble enough to say, sir, I can't see. Can you educate me? Okay. So humility is at the core. If we come out as arrogant and I know, then then for me it's a non-starter. So humility is at the core. With all humbleness, sir, I cannot understand a value proposition. Please. If I am convinced of a value proposition, then I can bring my entire energy into the task. When I am able to bring the entire energy into a task, then my mind works on how to make it possible. Then I am not. My mind is not distracted by why it will not be possible. So now, when I'm focusing on what will make it possible, what do I need? I need resources, right? So I think, what is our, what is it that I will need to make it a success? If I need resources, resources could be in terms of time, it could be in terms of money, it could be in terms of people. And uh, the third is, I will need somebody to do something for me, right? So I mean, I may need the head of uh, that department to uh, communicate to his people. I may need. Uh, MDA for my partner system to invest his uh, mind share into the problem. So if I'm so that's the second or the third thing I do. I mean, what is it that I need, and then I go and uh, and uh, request them or demand them, depending on, on on the situation. And the third is I need I try to understand the constraints which have to be uh, honored. So there are some constraints which you 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 just cannot uh, ignore. So these three things I would say. No, that's that. That's awesome. But I think you know, I just remembered the thing. Start with why, <laughs> and, and if that is clear, if if that is clear, that's aligned, 
then i think the next steps will become uh, a little more easier so uh, i will uh, take some audience questions uh, here uh, rajiv and you can answer them in a rapid mode i am taking some liberties given the way this discussion is going i'm taking liberties to go over time so uh, vikas is asking what applications of ai do you see in auto cm so you can take like one example best way is to figure out the intent of the person when he is either on your website or in the dealership easy that to do a uh, price comparison easy that with a genuine intent to buy or is he a competitor trying to steal your information awesome awesome <laughs> yes <laughs> very important one and, and of course a difficult one at that as well yeah <laughs> yeah so next one uh, is again i think the name is hidden so is a, how does a leader strive what challenges have you faced to strive at top I think the biggest challenge is internal. If we are not sure of our own values, of our own strength, of our own conviction in ourselves, I think that's the biggest challenge which I have faced. How does a leader strive? Uh, you understand yourself. So, again, taking from my childhood experiences, I use my Brahmastra is humor. Okay, I use humor to conquer my own fears. I use humor to conquer my own feelings of jealousy, envy, whatever. Right. So I try to fill my heart with humor. When these feelings come knocking at your door, whether it is a <laughs> envy, whether it is a feeling of fear, whether it is feeling of jealousy, whether it is feeling of anger, I open my heart and embrace these with humor. And when you embrace these feelings with humor, uh, it it just that's right. That's right. You know, yeah, and and I think one of the biggest uh, things about humor is that you take yourself lightly. Yes. Yeah. and then i think that's again a big part of humility so again a, a, a again a rapid fire one from the audience how do you build world class it organization maybe one or two insights how to build so first you have to build it in your mind have the conviction uh, what to you is a world class it organization right it, it cannot be somebody else saying it's a world class organization and then you are building somebody else's vision then i don't believe it to this to yourself you have to say what to you means a world class organization you may amplify it validate it build it with others but that's one and second you need to have the conviction that you can actually do it and when you have the conviction you will have the strength to demand what you need the humility to accept what you cannot do yourself absolutely right? and uh, yeah so no no I, and and you know, this reminds me that you know everything is built twice the first time in your <laughs> mind second time in the physical reality yes <laughs> <laughs> but you should be clear what you want i mean it can't be just it can't be a mere wish list right it has really? to be really thought through well strategized researched and all of that and again i you know it comes very simply to you but rajiv i can i can see from your experience how you really go deep into something and get that conviction that yes this is what i want rajiv uh, maybe a few more questions uh, rapid fire again so rajiv how do how do it and digital go together you know There's a technology aspect of the team, which is like keeping all the lights on. There's a digital team, which has to like go out there, like you know, add some real tangible business value. How do they go together? Yeah. So as I said, I like to think of them uh, like a continuum. Oh, one thing. Each. So there are very large overlapping uh, areas and responsibilities. The key is that the leaders have to have the humility and humbleness to work together. Okay. Now, uh, of course. for me digital and tech can mean quite different things but the way the way i'm imagining stuff is technology is one which is underlying 
and digital is one which is realizing value very nice yeah so and both are equally important we should not undermine uh, especially in this age and i'm reading a very good book by uh, susan kane i would encourage everybody to read it uh, it's called quiet q u i e t and that was one of the questions which i wanted to ask you jagdish when you said i am a shy what does shy mean <laughs> and this book explains it very nicely these two um, as i said so the tech team and the digital team so what is in this area we are giving a lot of value on personality on on appearances on what you see but please understand that what we see personality i like to model it like an iceberg that is 10% of the story 90% is what is underneath Correct. and therefore i tell teams picture yourself as either you are the 90% so you have substance you have content but you are not seen or you have 10% where you are seen but your content is 10% so balance yeah no actually you know uh, very very interesting in my presentations around it you know when i had to communicate what it does you know i actually used this uh, picture of iceberg you know which is a very unique picture oh, which, really? <laughs> yeah and you know i would basically uh, i would put on the top you know the things which are visible right and then i would put everything underneath you know right from your information security to you know like you know managing support to to networks and data centers and everything you know which is invisible and i would say boss you know just to just to do this small thing which you think what does it do is so much that it does and i think that always used to make uh, you know make an impact but but thanks for uh, uh, thanks for that uh, view uh, rajiv um so rajiv uh, something very few people know about you a talent <laughs> <laughs> I think very few people know that I am uh, I I trained myself uh, to be a life coach. Wow. And um, I'm also uh, neurolinguistic so NLP not the natural language processing but the neurolinguistic programming uh, practitioner. So that's something very few people know but uh, no as in they know but they I'm, I try to practice it. So a lot of people would have observed my choice of words or my interpretation or when i asked them what do you mean by this word like i asked you what did you mean by shy so what values you associate with that word could be quite different from what values i associate with my word absolutely and these values generate feelings and thoughts absolutely right? so so that is uh, very few people know i'm trained but uh, i try to uh, practice that. No, absolutely, absolutely. So, like you know, out there, yeah, guys, anybody, anybody looking for a coach, Rajiv is there. <laughs> I don't know whether he'll have time to coach you or not. <laughs> I can frankly tell you, I've been after him for many months before uh, you know getting this uh, opportunity for the Clarity Chat, just because he's been busy. Um, so, uh, 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 Rajiv, time for a few more questions, maybe a couple of more questions uh, from audience. Yeah, okay. Burning topic. from rakesh how do you manage to attract or retain key digital it talent very simple i would say make your value proposition for being in your team so strong that uh, see structurally one cannot replicate uh, structure one can replicate money one can replicate see just to my wife has given me a second thought oh, so <laughs> Structural uh, uh, differentiators. 
but structural differentiators i mean for example the biggest attraction to me is the culture of the team yes. now you cannot replicate a culture overnight right absolutely so if your culture is something which attracts big talent now what what attracts uh, talent in most cases i i see what attracts real talent is the freedom to do what their heart wants to do that that appetite for uh, learning in most cases is quenched by organizational uh, dynamics the the hunger to make an impact is often uh, stymied by by hierarchies so if you are able to design your culture your way of working in such a way that everybody feels unshackled i don't think we have a problem of uh, retaining talent now this is simple to say and let me be frank uh it's difficult to execute but uh, uh that's the that's the fun in life right no absolutely absolutely and i think you know i mean i'll just kind of wrap it up with my comment you know the reason why people don't feel free in their mind is like the repercussions of failing and i think you know if you're able to build a tolerance for failure right and and more uh, like you know growth mindset which is keep learning uh, keep failing keep learning and i think that really uh, attracts the uh, Could you could you touch that point of failure? Um, <laughs> so I yeah. I believe life life is a function of multi-dimensional vectors. Why is it yeah. a vector? Because unfortunately time has a direction. That's why it's a vector. It's multi-dimensional, yeah. and on one dimensional could be success or failure, but there are so many other dimensions where it's an enriching enriching experience. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So Rajiv I'll answer your question when you said like you know what do you mean by shy? Uh, what I mean by what I meant by shy is like you know we are not telling your uh, I mean there's a there's a wealth of experience out there and uh, you know not many people know about it so I would I would put the blame on you for being shy and not telling those stories. So, so I will respond to that. Of time. <laughs> If the format allows. Yeah. Uh, the reason why i mentioned this book uh, quiet by susan mm-hmm. is is exactly what you said what you said is actually a definition of an introvert okay it is yeah. not a definition of shy mm-hmm. the word shy what it actually means is underlying it is fear yeah yeah right so you want to do something but you are afraid of doing it because of whatever reasons whether it is speaking in public whether it is contradicting your boss whether it is whatever but the root feeling of that is fear behind the word shy whereas introverts the root feeling is reflection you are reflecting i agree what is the other person saying why is he saying it where is he coming from so i would rather in my mind <laughs> position myself as an introvert by nature but i can choose to be articulate like i'm trying the behavior now right in this in this session i try to be i try to be next to it yeah no so that way you are not shy i think i think i think you are more of an introvert yeah. <laughs> i agree i agree <laughs> so there is one uh, question from your uh, colleague uh, so he is asking a few words on your yoga practice how it has oh. been your career he knows me very well he is my cousin <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so how you, so what has uh, yoga taught me among, among other among other things it has taught me a balance 
so uh, it has taught me balance to say that um, balance is important but the way i mean while balance is important even more important is how do you achieve it balanced state which means uh, i forget that word so it's like you have an inverted bell and there's a ball on top okay now this is what we would call an unstable equilibrium because a small nudge will roll down so this is not balance okay but if you have a cup like this and a ball is here even a small nudge when temporarily you may go up but you'll come back to a balanced state so yoga has taught me to be in a equilibrium balanced state independent of other forces you may be buffeted for a while i mean of course you're buffeted for a while but it's very easy for you to come back to your balanced state so that's one thing that yoga has taught me the other it has taught me is to embrace opposites so let's talk of change in the it context if you want to drive change right at the what we tend to believe is at the core is something is changing and that's the core but for me that is not the core for me that is periphery at the core of change is what is not changing okay and that card i always play especially as you go higher up the uh, hierarchies because more and more hierarchy they move, operate more and more on values absolutely right so if you if you position your argument saying that look this is truer to your value system than the current state why would you not attempt it right is it fear then let's overcome let's see where this fear is coming from address fear is it coming from uncertainty let's embrace uncertainty absolutely right so so that is uh, uh, so embrace opposite No, that's awesome. That's awesome, and I think you know, like I have not been a very regular practitioner of yoga, but yes, uh, I have. Yeah, I have been. I have. I know what exactly you mean, and you know, I think I have benefited from the same, you know, practices and the same. Uh, I would say reflections which come from meditation. I right. basically knowing yourself better, and and I think it it really makes you immune to a lot of external forces. You know, you, you yourself become very solid that you know you can't really get swayed too much. Right, so, for example, uh, just just to round it off with a practical example, let's say you want to learn how to bend to your right, for example. The intuitive way is to have all muscles bending right, okay, and so your your left leg also starts shifting. But the right yoga technique, I have learned, and maybe there are better yoga practitioners who may be even more advanced. But what I have learned so far is, if you want to bend right, first fix left. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, fix your left first, lift yourself up, and then go right. You will reach right faster than if even a left leg wanted to go right. For example. <laughs> Absolutely. No, actually, you know, I've got a yoga teacher. I do uh, three times a week, and he does exactly this thing. You know, so when when I have to bend right, he will he will ask me to focus completely on my left, like and you know the entire focus should be on the left hand. <laughs> and, and 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 then you know automatically everything shifts. Hey, uh, uh, a great one, uh, uh, Rajiv. Meanwhile, I want to acknowledge a couple of guys you know who are not revenge question. <laughs> okay, so so I always admired you as a leader. Now, while I know that at some level um, leadership qualities are more or less similar, independent of a domain, but in your view, what would be Three specific competencies that you would like to see in future uh, IT slash digital leaders. Oh, that's a that's a that's a very loaded question. I have to really think. I, I got the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
That's a real revenge. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, uh, let me give it a shot. So I think uh, you know what is happening with digital is that you know uh, IT is coming more and more into the forefront. It is creating a lot more tangible business impact you know, rather than just providing that plumbing. And therefore, uh, you know, the first uh, and the biggest thing that IT leaders of future, you know, should be learning is to keep connected with the business, to be solving real problems, uh, to be really getting in touch with the ground and not make it top down, make it bottoms up, create a difference to uh, you know, the lives of those people who will be using your technology, which is, I call it being experience driven. So, but you know, that that's also becoming difficult because, you know, there's like so much of technology complexity, which is increasing at a faster and faster pace, you know, that may, so sometimes like, you know, it may tear you apart whether, you know, do I do that or do I do this? But I think that one in my view is more important. The second, uh, the second thing, you know, again, is like, you know, agility, because again, the technology world is moving very fast. You need to keep connected. So you need to be very uh, agile. In fact, you know, as I'm also like building a startup, <laughs> I'm learning a new concept of evolutionary architecture. You know, so we were talking about fixing an architecture for 20 years. But I think in today's world, especially if you're born in the cloud, born digital company or a born digital initiative, you can't even say that i will build something for 20 years so you will have to go further down and like you know work at an architecture level that how can i componentize and how can i like you know keep shifting these pieces as uh, technology evolves and i think the core value that comes uh, you know uh, that is underlying that uh, way of thinking is uh, agility right and uh, the third thing i would say uh, and do something that i all, that i try to live is that you know um, people do business with people. So everything that we do around, uh, whether it's transactions, interactions, whatever we do, you know, it's actually very easy to get lost in the technicality or in the framework level and all of that. But let's understand that, you know, eventually it's like people working with people. So uh, keep yourself uh, people focused. Okay. Uh, don't ride roughshod on them. Okay. Don't ignore them. And uh, you know, eventually, um, we should all, uh, I, and here I would like to quote Arun Gupta, you know, who came in, I think, our seventh or eighth clarity chat that, uh, you know, it should be about, you know, uh, what is, what is the feeling with which somebody leaves, you know, a meeting uh, with you. That should always be a good and pleasant feeling. And, you know, as we are running faster, the world is getting stressful. Uh, we tend to forget that. So, so let's be empathetic. Uh, focus on people, uh, let's be agile and let's be uh, outcome focused, customer focused. So uh, that was a good question, Rajiv. I hope I did justice to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, on, but... yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I wish we could go on. I think it's another of the longer chats. And to everyone out there listening to us, uh, you know, this was my biggest fear, which I have voiced to Rajiv two, three times that, you know, this one, I'm not going to be able to control the time, you know, given what I've heard in my preparatory uh, chats with Rajiv, which actually became not one, but two. Generally, I have one chat, but with Rajiv, it went on for uh, very long and I didn't want to stop that as well. Wow, what an insightful discussion with Rajiv. I loved it. 
I hope you loved it too. Listen to more of these. Do subscribe to Clarity Chat podcast available on all major podcasting platforms. In our next podcast, I will host Jitendra Singh, President and Chief Digital Officer at JK Cement. Watch out for our next Clarity Chat podcast with Jitendra.